You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And now, ready for the holiday hope you are on your way to a fabulous thanksgiving we're going to talk about that with my guests coming up in just a couple of minutes but first i want to tell you that today's show is brought to you by new works plumbing of sacramento they've got a fix for you all of your plumbing repairs your needs just go to newworksplumbing.com they're available to you around the clock 24 7 locally owned in sacramento for over 20 years just go to newworksplumbing.com that's n-e-w-w-r-x plumbing.com they've got a fix for you and as i mentioned they'll be available 24 7 at your service for your plumbing needs and repairs. Once again, newworksplumbing.com, N-E-W-W-R-X-Plumbing.com. I hope everyone is on the way to a very, very happy Thanksgiving. Lord knows we've got a lot to be thankful for in this crazy world that we're living in. On Veterans Day last week, uh, I did a show over on No Filter Network with Sean Salisbury, and I respect Sean so much. Uh, Sean's been at rock bottom. Uh, Sean is a guy that is all about action as opposed to words. Uh, he is a doer. He's a go-getter. Uh, he's an unbelievably uh, gifted individual, in my opinion, in terms of broadcasting. Uh, the former quarterback at USC and in the NFL, uh, I've known for a couple of years, and it's been a real pleasure for me to do the show on No Filter on Tuesdays and Thursdays with Sean. If you heard my podcast back in the fall with Sean, uh, we talked about the experience of picking up a homeless person on the side of the highway and how that changed Sean's life. Obviously, it changed Russell's life as well. But I wanted to play for you an excerpt from last week's show on No Filter Network on Veterans Day. We started off talking about our personal stories as it relates to Veterans Day. And then we got into the charitable aspects of everything that Sean does and others. And I thought with Thanksgiving coming up in just two days and the start of the holiday season, this would be a great message for everyone to listen to the conversation that Sean and I had last week on No Filter Network. All of our veterans out there, happy Veterans Day. Sean, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. Yeah, I lost my father uh, in 2007, and he was 82nd Airborne in the Army. So 
to him and all the other veterans and those that continue to serve, we are, we don't deserve you, to be quite frank with you. And you guys do, you guys do deserve our love and then some thanks isn't enough. So yes, unbelievable uh, the, the way that they serve us. And as in, in a fun, as just Jack Nicholson said, we want you on that wall and we need you on that. That's, That's sure. right. Men and women, My dad tells you. this story. My dad, as a 15 year old, was at the Polo Grounds on December 7th, 1941. The New York Giants were playing the Brooklyn Dodgers. A lot of people forget the football Brooklyn Dodgers back then. So December 7th, 1941, as a 15-year-old, my dad was at the Polo Grounds at the game and three years later was in the Pacific Theater on a naval ship off of Okinawa. And my dad was the only person in his unit that came back home. The only one, because they made my dad a signal man on the ship. He never had to get off the ship. Everyone else perished. My dad didn't talk about the war much. I didn't ask my dad about the war much, but was very interesting. When my dad passed and we were going through all of his stuff, we found two scrapbooks that his mom had made and saved every letter that my dad had written home during his years in the service and was just so unbelievable reading oh, these letters from World War II being sent back home. Incredible. I love his I love history, Grant. I do. I, yeah. I'm, I'm a, I love our US history. I love world history. I love reading stories or autobiographies. I like getting into the, you know, from war heroes to what they went through that we can't even fathom and Incredible story about your father, and that's yeah. uh, I'm sure that had to be tough on him, knowing that his buddies and the people went in oh, there, boy. and that um, what it just I don't know, man. I, every day I think about him and what they have to go through. Yeah. My biggest thrill all the years I was at ESPN was there 12 years. They took myself and Berman and and Stuart Scott, and the war was going on. Then Stuart Scott, God rest his soul, Steve Levy. Uh, Kenny Maine, there was a, a you know, and plus a production crew. Right. And we, they'd asked us during the difficult time and war said, no, it's, you know, you always take the risk when you're going. Sure. And I said, I'm not. And I was married at the time and my kids were all young. And, and when uh, the boss at, at uh, ESPN had asked us, well, the, the group was to go, it was not even, it was, there was no brainer. I went and told my family and, and she and my, they said, yeah, you've got to go. You don't miss that. We we're going to do sports center for about four days in Kuwait. Wow. And right there in the Persian Gulf where we stayed. But every time we got on the bus, we had to have two armed guards and the curtain shut. And we did it live sports center. So it would be at like wow. two in the morning. We'd go there for the time change. And we go and to watch them with their signs, like on college game day and talking sports. And then we'd go play catch with them, you know, out and they were in their fatigues. And then you walk into the bunks, Grant. And, you know, how people sometimes think they got it tough because their bed's a little uncomfortable. My man, you couldn't fit. I mean, their bags are next to you. You couldn't fit a, a hockey stick blade. Damn, it felt like between the beds. You could, but, you know, I'm being a little hyperbolic yeah. with that. But it was – and you look, and they went forever, the bunk beds, forever in this in the big, you know, where they slept. And then we'd go into the mess hall and eat with them, and they'd have, you know, games up on the weekend. And we'd be talking, said, do you guys really like when we're here? doing sports and they said oh my gosh we need sports and I was just moved by it of all the things I'd ever done at ESPN and my memories there were fantastic I'll never forget that because it was during a war and about 
I don't know what a what, what, grant you maybe you know what how much does a is a click how many miles do we do we know what that is you know they, I don't know how they speak it I I don't either yeah. but they'd say you know forty clicks or whatever that is away just down the interstate and you constantly see them that there was a war zone and we were fortunately removed from it but you never know right and then we sure. stayed and then the beautiful then you go to the hotel in the Persian Gulf you could see the bottom I mean it was so weird that here's the Persian Gulf where we stayed in one part and just a handful of miles away. There's a there's a war going on, and we're in Kuwait and yeah. visiting them there, and they're fatigued. I was just, I was it was it was moving for me, and I would have never missed that for whether the risk or not. It was it was worth every second of it, and to see what they go through, and uh, was honored to be a part of it. It was the greatest honor I had in 12 years at ESPN. But those guys go through it every day, so it's nothing new for them. But it was sure, and listen to my dad tell stories. But it was. It was sure new for me to see what they must go through, and it'll sure help you shut your mouth about complaining, Grant, when you come home. I can I can oh tell you that if you if you think you were dealt a bad hand, go go over there and deal with it. You know it's hot, and they're in their fatigue. It's just all the things that we take for granted, yep. not all the time, but sometimes that we just the little things are like, damn. Just every single day they wake up, they never know what that day is going to be. Yep. And I was there, but it was a it was a thrill for me. So yeah, God bless our military and our veterans. Amen to that. We salute our veterans. Hey, before we go on and talk about some of the new players or not old players with their teams, Cam Newton and Odell Beckham, I'm really impressed. And I'm not saying this. You're not. You don't ever pat yourself on the back, but I'm. I'm going to do it for you. The sock drive that you've continued to do, and now as we get ready to start the holiday season, the your your community is pretty amazing. Just from memories, but already getting off to a great start. Can you just talk a little bit about what that's all about? Yeah, Grant, I uh, and I, I shared the story with you about the gentleman, Russell Brissett, that I picked up yep. on the freeway um, yep. on Christmas in 2000, Christmas Day, it must have been 2014, and he lived with me, long story short, if you haven't heard, I was feeling sorry for myself on Christmas Day because I saw my kids the night before I was driving back to Houston and picked up a man walking along the highway and a year and a half later, he was still living with me. He was homeless, and we got him new teeth, got him. He didn't have any ID. He'd lost it all, and he, he moved in with me. In a matter of days, I said, just come live with me, and I thought it was going to be a, a few days, and lo and behold, it was he. we became friends, and he stayed with me for 16, 17 months. Got reconciled with his family, new teeth, no drugs, um, job, ID, birth certificate, and he changed my life. I thought I was compassionate until I met him and knowing what once again I said how what were you going to do if I didn't pick you up because I was just going to go he was getting those daily jobs at Home Depot he was sick 59 60 at the time and I said well you're going to come just come stay with me I'll take you there tomorrow long story short we became friends and and while I know that people think well you changed his life Sean the impact he made on me just to know and the trust factor that man I thought I was compassionate but this stuff and people were like well what's are you afraid he's going to kill you in the middle of the night I said no I said, there's a reason why I turned back around on the freeway and drove back 12 miles there was to come back and pick him up after I went by because I didn't want to be bothered. And he wasn't expecting me to pick him up. So I've always had an affinity. I'm a sucker, and I don't mean this in a bad way, for the homeless and those who, well, because I know what rock bottom looks like. And at times I've, I've slept in a truck, and I had, I had been through that. And he reiterated to me that, you know what? Homeless isn't what people think it is. It's the person sitting next to you that you think isn't, or I'm, I'm just telling you, Grant, I learned a lot and I studied it when I got him. And I went to homeless shelters 
it, the person standing next to you and maybe the person at the restaurant that you feel like. We know people that are panhandlers. I get all that. And some of them want to be homeless. They don't want to, you know what I mean? But I learned a lot about homeless and and it struck me as, and when I think about the cold or the extreme heat, it always, I get choked up thinking about it because I, uh, Because I know it's a huge problem in our country and across the world, and I, and I just, it, it bothers me, you know, and I, I can't change it. I tried. I know one person doesn't matter, but if I could take them all in, I, I would. But it, I, I just, I'm, I'm a sucker and compassionate for those that are sleeping on the street. And I know some of it's self-inflicted, Grant, but his wasn't, right? Drugs and went through a hard time, and people turned their back on him. He needed somebody to love him, and we became great friends, and he changed my life. But so in the process, what I learned through this is sock drives. When you ask people that run shelters, they don't socks. The simple thing of putting them on your feet, right? Keeping your feet warm, jackets and all that. Now, so I keep a bunch of stuff in my truck all the time in case I go by. And but we ran a sock drive. We got about in Bombas socks. You know, you see the commercial from them and the community. The last time I did a rally, and I'm telling you, Grant, in two weeks I had fifteen. In two weeks to three weeks, within a month I had fifteen thousand pairs of socks. Well, wow. so you take them and then they're forever grateful at these shelters because socks are, you know, oh, yeah, they, people don't think about socks. Right. We just don't. And if the feet are cold, the rest of the body's miserable. Right. And so, you know, we'll take whatever you can. And so we turn those in and so try to do it again. And then COVID hit and that made it a little more difficult the second year. So we didn't do it. And now we're back and people are dropping off 500 pairs. I had people sending them from out of country. I had people just from social media. So really, I'm a small part of it. You bring it up. And we're going to give them to people and homeless shelters. And we'll, I guarantee you by Christmas time, we'll have 25,000 pairs of socks. And we put them together, box them up, take them. We delivered them ourselves to the home, to the shelters that needed them. And, and you never realize how much it is. And like I said, I'm a real spot. Listen, you want to know how to do charity and, and take care of homeless, mattress smack in our town will do that. But I, I, my life was changed by housing a homeless man, Russell, for 16 months. And I'll never, ever take that for granted again and haven't slept in my truck for a while and knowing what that is when you go through your rock bottom i'm not the guy who's who's the guy who ah uh, forget them they, they're homeless for a reason i i just and i know that some are but i i just can't do it and i've you know I, i'm not inconvenienced by a homeless person let's just put it that way it matters to me and these socks matter so thanks for bringing it up and if anybody you know it's on twitter it's a pinned tweet at the s salisbury show sean salisbury show on twitter and I'll continue to retweet it, but the socks make a difference, and they and, and they need them. There's not enough of them, so I'll continue to do it. And anything else I can grant to to try and help them. But homeless is a special place for me because it 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 affects so many of our own in our own country. You know what I mean? And you can't house them all, I guess. But if I could, I would. I would. I, uh, your story about Russell on the side of the highway. When you first came on my podcast and told me that, yep, was uh, it makes your hair stand up on on the back of your neck? And I didn't ask you this that day, but I'm listening to you again talk about how he changed your life. And I've gotten to know you, and I know what you stand for and what you're about. What do you think it would have been like had you not turned around? And you kept on driving. Do you think you would have wondered about what happened to that man on the road for a long time? And do you think it would have eaten at you? Because I know you 
And I know you think you can make a difference in the world with everyone. And I love your attitude. And that's one of the reasons why I respect you so much because you have a right. genuine, it's not, you know, it's not bullshit. It's genuine, man. Like you're like, it's genuine. You ever wonder what Every day. your thought process would have been if you had just kept driving down the road and not pulled over? Or, yeah, or yeah. after you met Daryl, you started to move forward and then you stopped and came back. You gave him a hundred dollar bill, right? And you yep. then had him get in the vehicle. Could you, I just wonder what, what would have gone through your mind and how long it would have lasted in your mind. Yeah, I can tell you, and I appreciate the compliment. And I can't fake this, the, 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 my feelings about the homeless because it, it does matter to me. Listen, I've fucked up many a day in my life, trust me. Mm -hmm. But I, I know two things I've done good. Three things, I've been a good son, I've been a good father, and I think I, I think I care about people a lot. I do, and sometimes I screw it up along the way, but I try not to. With this, I can tell you how I'd have felt, because even though he's not here anymore, I know he's reconciled and he's and he's doing well back in Missouri. I think about him every day, every day, and saying his sister will contact me and he will. I got a, I saved a voicemail from him just because in case something were to happen, I want to hear his voice. You know, I did, yep. Grant, and. You know what I think about? Well, what would have happened? Because he was going to go to Katy, Texas and sleep under a tree in a sleeping bag for a few months until it got cold again and then go back to Missouri. He hitchhiked across the country. It was Christmas Day. He was walking up or down I-45. I went by him a dozen miles and came back. And I can tell you how I'd have felt. Because to this day, I've driven by a few people since then. And I wonder then. And I, I don't know, if I, hell, I don't know if he'd be alive if he would have caught back on drugs because he had four teeth in his head when I picked him up, four from he had, and he wasn't on drugs. So I said, you're going to move into my home. There's, there are a few rules. And Grant, this was about, oh, a month before I had to go to the Super Bowl. I had picked him up in December, right? Oh yeah, about a month away. And I had spent eight days at the Super Bowl. Do you know, I left my keys and I left my whole place to him. Wow. And I left and I could have come home to an empty place. I came home. None of it was a place clean. Not one thing was out of place. And the money I left on the counter other than, and he kept a receipt. I said, man, here's some money. I loaded up the, the, the refrigerator with groceries, everything. And I went, got one, got him one of those flip phones, you know, burner yeah. phone just so he could have, not a burner phone so he could have a fake Twitter account, but you know, and he loved, <laughs> he loved talking baseball. And I think about, I think about it every day. I think, well, would he have been dead? Would, would he, have, would he have paid it for, what would have happened to him? Would he have been reconciled with his family? And because of the, the, the drugs that he had had done in the past, and I found a dentist, and he put a whole head, of, and his self-esteem went through the roof. His teeth, white, beautiful teeth. And, you know, got, he, my kids loved him. Grant, he was yeah. part of Christmas the next year. Right. And my, kid, my kids are still out. Hey, Dad, was, we called him Rusty. His name's Russell. And he, he, he became like family. And it was, it, it, I know it sounds weird, but it was, uh, I took a flyer, and I, I would have felt, put it this way, Grant, had I have had he have been a bad guy and come to my place and I would have had to get rid of, you know, yeah. you know, say you, you can't live here. Right. Had he have been a bad guy and stolen from me and done all that, I would have felt better about that than had I have passed him and not gone back. Because I wow. did. I drove by him and drove for about 15 more minutes. And on my drive back to come back around on I-45 heading back towards Dallas, I thought, doggone it, man. John, I hope somebody else will pick him up. I told you that. But I had to go back onto the underpass yes. and he's still walking. And we try, I tried to stop two different times at a truck stop and then at a hotel outside. And they said, well, you got to get inside the loop because he needed a place where he could get on the bus every day. 
I said, just come to my place. I'll take you to the inside. We call it the loop in Houston where the bus runs. Right. And the rest was history. 16 months later. And he didn't have an ID, no driver's license, no birth certificate, no social security. And we went through the whole process with some help. And I, uh, I, I would be, I, and you know how obsessive compulsive I am about stuff like that. And yes. care. I honestly would have carried it around as a burden thing. Sean, you, you, you pray and ask for help and you look for answers. And when somebody presents you with the answers, you drove by it. You passed up because you were selfish. You were self-centered. You didn't want to be bothered. That's how I would have felt. And it would have, it would have, uh, I don't know if haunted is the right way, but it would have bothered me. Because there's times I'll see guys now and I'll drive back, I'll drive by. And there's one that was in there and I, I only had like a buck. And Graham, I, I actually drove home. I didn't have any cash. Went and went to, and I didn't have my, my uh, credit card. It was just my driver's license with me. Went home, got my wallet, went to the ATM, got some money and drove it back to a guy who was just under the freeway. Because something told me this, and he had a dog with him. And I wanted to make, and I went and got a bunch of dog food and blankets so the dog could eat. Not because I need a pat on the back. The truth is, it's I, I do it more for me to you know. I mean, I, I really don't. But there's this feeling of sure. not that I want to pat on the back. That I okay, Sean, you were presented with an opportunity, and I'm a God fearing man. I'm not a guy who's going to throw a Bible in your face, but I do believe in that. I do believe we're pre- presented with opportunities in life, and I know my personality, and you know it too, and you hit it. I would have, I would have carried that regret my entire life. Yeah, my entire life because I, I I do carry that kind of stuff around with me, but. I, I've done a few good things in my life, being a dad. So that's one of the best things I've ever done. It's the best. There's, there's no part of my career that I felt like I ever did better than taking him in and making a difference in his, in, in his life. And it's, it's emotional yeah. to me because I know what he did for me because I was coming off sleeping in my own truck I, just a year and a half before I, I, had, I, I met him. You know, I just love hearing this story and these type of stories as we get ready to get into the holiday season, because I think that this country, and I'm 62, you and I are pretty much the same generation, is so messed up right now. And, you know, I just finished doing a podcast, which is going to air tomorrow. And I talk a lot about LeBron James, who I have, I announced his first ever NBA game. I narrated his first ever Nike commercial as an NBA player, uh, along with Michael Jordan. Those are the two best players that I've ever seen play. And I absolutely, admired and loved announcing a game every time that he was on the floor. But I've lost so much respect for him as a person because of what I feel is his very irresponsible tweets because he has over 50 million followers on Twitter. But what I did today in my podcast was read responses from people with blue check marks, meaning for the people that don't know, that means they're verified. And there's so much venom, there's so much hatred, there's so much bad stuff in our country and I would like to think that we're moving closer together as a country, but we're not. We're, 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 we're going further and further away. And so when I look at things on social media, like about a sock drive or what other people are doing, and I used to say this on my radio show all the time, we would get into, you know, sometimes debates and someone would call up and yell at me about something that has nothing to do with sports. And I would say, hey, stop. What is it? What have you done to make your community better? And I'm awfully met with science, uh, silence. I'm so tired of people bitching and complaining all the time, and yet they don't do anything about it. They don't do anything to make their neighbor's life better. They don't do anything about what's going on in their own city, in their own community. And you know what? 
you, you, it doesn't take money. You don't need money to make your community better. You know what you need? You need a little effort, ingenuity, and you need desire. You need to say, you know what? I'm going to make someone's life better today. It's easy. It's simple. And you don't have to go to your ATM machine. You don't have to go to your bank account. You know, it's simple. And I, I, I'm, I don't mean to be going off on a tangent here, no. but I'm so tired of the complaining in this country. And I read, and I'm, and again, I don't really think what we read on Twitter is necessarily real life, but it's just so damn disturbing. And that's why I wanted to talk to you about this stuff today. As we kind of kick off the the holiday season here right. in, in a little more than a week. Uh, so you know what? Hats off to you for doing what you're doing. But I hope that we can put the message out there. Hey, make a little effort, help somebody, make somebody else's life better this holiday season. It doesn't take a lot. My brother told me years ago. He said, whatever you do, my, brother's filled, my older brother's filled with wisdom. Our boy Lamb loves my older brother, right? Uh -huh. He's funny. You'd love Grant. You would love him. You'd be crying uh -huh. laughing. He's great. But he's got a, his heart is filled with service, right? right? Service to others. He's not a millionaire, but he cares about people. And I, I, I'm not getting sucked into social media's negative, Grant, anymore. I'm just not. I made a concentrated effort yep. that... When you say something bad, now we'll all fight back and banter about sports, but when it gets to personal stuff, I'm just have a great dive rise. I'm not doing it. I just I, I won't because while it may not be society, Grant, you know what it does? It makes us think it's society. Great and, point. And, bothered. and I'll be on another thing. I don't want to know who to dislike because the more I read, the more I'm like, that's not my type of person because I can promise you this, and this goes for everybody. I don't know when your rock bottom's coming down the pike or when you're going through your thing, not you, but any of us, sure. but, it, it, but it comes. You're losing a family member, changing jobs, moving, you know, people who had a miscarriage. I'm not wishing it. I'm just telling you, everybody's going through something today. When they open it, everybody's got something. Now, we look at money and stars, but even those stars with money, there's certain things they can't buy, man, that they can't. It's not just blue check marks. It's all of us. You don't need... $5, you don't need $500 million. And if you have somewhere in between, that's great. But you know what? I know every now and again, I'll never, ever, I, Grant, I can't remember 55 million things I said on TV. But I do remember the way that Dan Patrick treated me. I do remember the intern who came in and sent me a message after and said, thanks so much for taking the time to, to spend with me and treat me like I was, a. you know what I'm saying? Those yep. things matter to me more than any Emmy Award. Now, I'd love to win Amen. it all. But I, I do, and it's not, like I said, it's not a pat on the back. And hell, I can make a far bigger difference than I do, but I made a concentrated effort when I came out of my feeling sorry for myself and my troubles and realized that, you know what, through that story, and when my book comes out, I'm hoping the motivation and the kindness part of it, without being cheesy, but the kindness and the ups and downs of fun stories and uplifting that somebody who's going through theirs is like, damn, he went through all that? in one year and 18 months and yeah. and he can overcome it. And there's far people more gifted than I am, stronger than I am, but I, I'm not, I'm not letting social media is not going to dictate how I treat people. It's just not, even if they treat you poorly, I'm just not doing it. And I listen, my personality is a football guy. I want to react and fight back. I do, but you're great. You're so correct. I, 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 I don't think people understand and we've all said them, man regret words that we said or a tweet and you're like, dude, why, did I, why was I that mad? Why, why did I, over a stupid quarterback decision or a, a stupid who won the game or they disagreed with me and sure. politics is the great divider, religion, politics, sure. but I'm not, I'm not willing to lose friends. And I've said, I'm not willing to lose friends 
um, by being an angry hatred person. I'm not willing to lose friends over politics. And we have talked about this. I'm not, I'm not going to allow now if they want to go away, but I'm not willing to lose friends over being mean and angry and, and hatred all and spewing hatred. I'm just not willing to do it. Um, but I'm also not willing to kiss your ass if you're a person who does that to others. I'm just not, I, I don't need friends. I got my circle gets smaller as I get older and I'm okay with that. And there's so many great people on social media, right, Grant? People who support, I mean, there's so yes. many freaking great yes. people. Yes. There is. And unfortunately, they get, they get bogged down by all the bullshit that goes on. So my brother told me a long time ago with his wisdom, he said, always be a truck, not a trailer. Love and it. while, you know, it's been, you think, well, what is, okay. Now, we all <laughs> need pulled once in a while. We yes. all got to be pulled once in a while. Yes. But the majority of the time, when possible, be a trailer, be, be, be a, uh, a tractor or a truck. Don't be a trailer. Be the person who pulls the person along with you. And I so I've it. learned it. I'm not real good at it, but I'm sure trying. I get to oh, you're that. damn good at it. I really appreciate it. That's just a great uh, 25 minutes. It's time for Rant, 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 Rant. And today's rant is brought to you by Roy's Umbrella for all of your home loan needs. Buying a new home, thinking of doing a refi, get in touch with Roy and his staff. You'll be glad that you did. I've worked with Roy for a number of years. He's a throwback, and he wants to get to know you, and he wants to do business face-to-face. And I love what Roy stands for. I love everything about his business. You know, Roy has... Uh, had an amazing life. He's overcome two what really were death sentences with cancer. Uh, he has a great perspective on life. I love the way he does business, and you will love working with Roy and his staff. Again, for all of your home loans, all of your needs, uh, and Roy tells me, he says he sees some big changes on the horizon as it relates to the housing market and loans. Check him out. Just go to roysumbrella.com. That's roysumbrella.com. So coming up in three days, It is Black Friday. Now, for all I know, as you're listening to this, you might be standing in freaking line waiting for the doors to open on Black Friday, which in many instances starts on Thanksgiving night. I have never been able to understand this phenomenon of people standing in line for hours and hours and hours. And then you see the video from around the country when the doors open and it is like a freaking stampede. And then you see fighting and you see i mean it's unbelievable what goes on on black friday is saving a couple of bucks really worth it for all of that seriously you stand in line for hours outside in the freaking cold or sometimes in the rain just to be the first one in the store to get your gift on black friday is there not a better way to do this it absolutely is mind-boggling to me you know i understand that the kids you know that are able to get out of the house you know teenagers that want to just have fun and get away from mom and dad and the family for a while and make an excuse that they're gonna go shopping on black friday with their friends i get that but the adults on black friday you're gonna stand in line for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and then you're going to run into the store like a bat out of hell to claim your gift and lord knows that there's only one item on the shelf and there's five people that want that one item it's a free-for-all and there's pushing and shoving and cursing i don't understand it i really don't that's why i don't do my shopping until christmas eve i don't have to worry about the lines and the headaches and all of that -uh. black friday is not for me i can freaking tell you that And if it's for you, you know what I say? Get a life. Get a freaking life. 
Seriously, standing in line for that long just to get an item in a store and deal with the crowds? Stop it already, would you please? It's not for me. And that's my rant for today. Hey, I hope everybody has a fabulous Thanksgiving. Be safe. Be happy. Hope you have a great day with your loved ones and friends. And I want to just say thank you so much for your support here on this podcast. Told you a couple of weeks ago we surpassed one million downloads and I've really enjoyed doing this and I hope you really enjoyed uh, the message today that Sean and I had last week on Veterans Day hey again happy Thanksgiving and thank you so much for being part of this podcast if you don't like that with Grant Napier With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.